Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,482. Life is too short to be unhappy, so follow your passion. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark it Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hey, Cars Yeah race fans. Andy Collins, owner of Armadillo Racing, is a past guest here on Cars Yeah. Last year, I was honored to be a speaker at his high-performance racing seminar. And having attended, I can tell you it's an invaluable learning experience if you love to race. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Armadillo's high-performance racing seminars, and it takes place Saturday February 8th in Tacoma, Washington. For your seminar fee, you'll spend a day with four of racing's premier professionals on how to improve your driving and much, much more. This year's outstanding speaker lineup include Jacques Delari, Ph.D., world-renowned high-performance driving and life coach, Jeff Braun, a race engineer with a history at Core Racing and IMSA, Ross Bentley, top driving coach, author of world-renowned Speed Secrets and a fellow podcaster, and Dan Davis, retired director of motorsports for Ford Motor Company. All of these incredible racing experts are past guests here on Cars Yeah. As an added bonus for Cars Yeah listeners, you'll get to join these speakers at the Friday night reception at the incredible LeMay Car Museum for free. That's right. It's a $50 value if you sign up by January 15th. What a deal. Go to Armadillo Racing's website and register. That's armadilloracing.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from St. Paul, Minnesota, where it's a little chilly today, Dave Gunderson. Dave, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Ready to rock and roll. All right, we'll have some fun here. Dave Gunderson is Vice President and General Manager of the Automotive Aftermark Division for 3M. He has spent his career in and around the automotive industry, and his passion for automobiles and caring for them runs very deep. Dave joined 3M back in 1988 as a technical service engineer in Livonia, Michigan, where he grew up. He moved to their headquarters in St. Paul, Minnesota, and has held global business roles in key 3M portfolios, including body structure and adhesives, masking tape, and advanced ceramics. He's been part of the Six Sigma operation, working as the master black belt for aerospace and marine, and then strategic planning and business development for automotive aftermarket. 
He worked in Germany for a European business and in California, where he led acquisitions for Meguiar's Car Care. And he has the and he had or was, I should say, the first director and COO for Meguiar's and the 3M branded auto care portfolios. Very, very cool. So, Dave, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Before I jump into some of the questions, would you share maybe a, just a little bit more about yourself and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles and taking good care of them? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's great to be on the show. I'm a big fan and uh, followed a couple of different podcasts. So, uh, appreciate the opportunity to share my passion. Um, yeah, so I, as you said, I grew up in Detroit. I got uh, oil in my blood. My dad uh, worked for Chrysler. He actually is from originally from Wisconsin, so he graduated mechanical engineer and took a job at Chrysler. So I grew up around cars, and uh, you know, big family of five kids. And so we, uh, you know, I'll share some of the stories later about you know what drove my passion around cars. But obviously, being born around them and having a dad who worked in the industry was a big part of that. But a little bit more about me. I've, uh, I'm happily married. My wife, Laurel, and we're 2020 is a big year. It'll be my 32nd year with 3M, but uh, my 30th anniversary with my wife. And then I have uh, two children. Grant is uh, he's studying to be an engineer at uh, Purdue as a sophomore. And then my daughter, Marin, who's 16, she's uh, taking her car uh, driver's license, I think, next week. And she's working hard to convince me the cool car that she feels a 16-year-old should drive. So, Oh, well, yeah. you know, uh, she deserves a cool car, Dad. Come on. You yeah, know? come I on. Mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get these texts all the time saying, Dad, what about this? And I'm like, well, you know. But yeah, she's yeah. definitely into uh, cars. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it runs in the family. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I think this is pretty cool. And Dave and I had a great chat before we started the show here because he ran McGuire's after 3M acquired them years ago. And, of course, I've had Barry McGuire on the show and I've known about Meguiar's to use their products way back when I was in junior high, when I started my detailing business. And uh, a great company. And I think it's kind of funny because uh, my relationship with Meguiar's goes so far back. And I've had so many Meguiar's employees on this podcast. I know so yeah. many of them because yeah. of my many great years people. in the industry. Yeah. Great people, wonderful company. And I'm really, really happy to have you aboard. So we're going to learn a lot more about Dave. And we're going to start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get what I call the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah, or the random orbital in this case. So, Dave, <laughs> Dave, grab the wheel or the orbital. You know, you know, I'm a big believer in knowing what your purpose in life is and, you know, why, why you do what you do. But my mantra or mantra, how are you supposed to say it? Life is too short to be unhappy. So follow your passion. Right. And I think in my, and if I reflect on my career, I've had a wonderful career at 3M, a lot of different opportunities, but you know, I, my passion is the automotive industry. And when I'm working in the industry, that's when I'm happy. Right. And when I'm happy, having fun, it's fun to be around and we typically have success. So that's kind of, if you're not happy what you're doing, think about what you want to do and work with people to help you get there. Yeah. Go do it. You know, that's what Cars Yeah is all about. My, my mantra. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts is all about people who figured that out. And you're my 1,482nd guest. So there's lots of people to only, yeah, just a few. There's lots of people to uh, be inspired by here. And Dave, uh, you're a great example of that. You know, before I jump to the next question, though, th this is a, it sounds funny for people like you and I who know our passion. We're in automobiles. However, you know, I've tried and helped mentor uh, people. I'm going to be doing a mentoring class up in Seattle next week to help uh, 
veterans who've come back and are trying to find their way after their time in the military. Some of them have been injured and have a lot of challenges to deal with. Let me ask you your opinion of this. For someone who is young or maybe old and has worked in an industry they've never been that happy with, how do you figure out what your passion is? And it it may be a silly question for someone like you or me, but I no doubt you've encountered this with people, especially the people you've mentored and with your Six Sigma background, black belt in that, which is a tremendous process. I've learned about that. If I ask you that question, how? and I'm a young person, we'll pretend, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's not always the easiest question, right? Because so number one is you have to drive exposure. So my, my first advice is talk to people. So if you see someone working in an industry, you know, I, I think most people would be more than happy to talk about their job, right? And what they do and, and what, what what's the components of that job. So my first piece of advice is just to talk to people and ask them this very simple. So sometimes people are apprehensive to say, Hey, well, I, I don't even know this person, but you know, if you go and talk to someone who's obviously happy about what they're doing, they'll take all day to tell you why and what they do and, and why this motivates them. So I think that's probably my first one. And then the other one is, um, I had the opportunity to meet a gentleman named Vance Caesar and, uh, he and his, uh, wife, um, I, I hired him as a, uh, as a coach for my team. And uh, he actually wrote a book. I wrote it down somewhere. Um, it's called The High Achiever's Guide to Happiness. It's available on Amazon. And it's a very simple read. But what it does is it helps you first define what your purpose is, what you, know, what you want to do in your life and why. And your purpose could be that I'm here for my family. Your purpose could be that I want to build great businesses. Um, but whatever, it kind of walks you through the, the process of how to have that discussion with yourself. So that would be something I would, you know, those uh, would recommend as a book you can get. It's like eight, nine dollars. I mean, it's not a big deal, but just reaching out to people that th- this is their job, right? And they and the advance helped me to figure out what was my purpose. It's great, great advice. I'll make sure I put that book listed on Dave's show notes page. I have a section on Cars Yeah where it's guest recommended books, where I've got well over fifteen hundred books listed there by yeah. my past guests that have inspired those. We'll make sure we put that book because I'm not aware of that book and. I'm going to share that with other people. I think it's it's great. You know, it's interesting because you ask young people sometimes, "What's your passion?" They kind of go, "I don't know," and right. you really got to figure that out. It's yeah, so do. important. What, yeah, yeah. But once you do, life's great because then of course you figure out you how to get there. Your and path. Yeah, and and your advice is wonderful. Talk to people, and especially in the automotive industry, I think the automotive industry is rather unique in that it's a passion for most of us. And we are willing to share, just like Dave is sharing with you today. I'm sharing with you today. So reach out to folks and uh, ask them questions. You'd be surprised what you can learn. Well, this passion that you have for cars, Dave, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated that for you. Growing up in a car family, of course, you said you had motor oil in your blood. So you were kind of born with the DNA. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew, like your dad, you were going to be a car guy? Yeah, you know. So my dad worked, started on the drafting boards, like most engineers in back in the fifties, right? But he eventually worked his way into product planning. So for the listeners, these are the, you're working on the cars five to 10 years out. So he, his job was to design what's the design criteria for the job for the, for the new, you know, let's say Chrysler Cordoba, right? And so what, as a kid, I was blessed with the opportunity that almost every night my dad brought home a different car. And these were all different competitive cars. And so as a 12 and 14 year old, my dad tells the story that 
he would come in and I'd be standing at the door saying, give me the keys. I'd go out to the car. I'd drive it up and down my driveway. And then as I got a little older, maybe drive it around the neighborhood. And then I'd come back and he'd be sitting at the table because he would come home late at night, probably 7.38, and he'd be having his dinner. And then I'd give him the review of the car. And then I think what, what was the pivotal moment for me is that he asked, he asked my opinion, and even and not just me, but the family, because my dad, at one point, he was the product uh, planner for Dodge Truck, and which included full-size vans, right? And he asked us as kids, you know, what would make these vans better? And so we, I never flew in a plane, I think, until I was 17 years old, but we did take two-week trips, you know, camping around the United States. And so as kids, we said, hey, we got two great ideas. That Number one, these these bench seats are not very comfortable. So what if you could make them fly flat so you can make it into beds? And we're driving across North Dakota in the middle of the night. We're sleeping comfortably. And then we said, even be even cooler if you would have reading lights. So we could read our books or our comic books or whatever, you know, without yeah. pissing off mom and dad. Because at that time, you know, back in those days, you only had those dome lights right in the middle. One right? big dome light. Yeah, right? Remember that? The one big dome light. The window. So my dad, my dad listened. And so he actually went and talked to his product planning team. And they actually contacted Boeing. Because who had reading lights? Aircraft. Yeah, right? airplanes. Yeah. So, so he, they tracked down the manufacturer of those reading lights for the Boeing. And then they crafted out of uh, plywood bench seats that could, you know, uh, be in a normal seating position and then lie down flat. And then he took my mom's van and retrofitted it. And we drove it for a while, prototyped it. And then, and then a year or so later, they launched it. And so for me, that was uh, a real connecting of interacting with a car, having an idea, sharing it with others that then took that idea and made it into reality. And that's when I decided I wanted to be an engineer. Yeah. You know, this is such a cool story because how many times have we gotten in car? You know, for me, it's like rental cars because I kind of have a certain car that I like. I've always liked. But when you rent a car, you rent cars you would never buy. And you get in them. And and some of the times I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And other times like, who thought of this? I mean, this is the dumbest thing ever. And to have a family that's giving ideas. I mean, this is so cool that you got to... uh give these ideas that today are just commonplace for most of us. I mean, like cup holders. I'm trying to think when, like, when did cup holders, do you remember the year they first started putting cup holders in cars? I can't remember. But now you got 14. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, you need need as many as possible. Of course, those Germans, they held out to the very end. We not put the cup holder in the car. You must drive the car, not drink. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about a challenge or even a big failure you faced in your career, your life. And the reason I bring this up is more about the lesson learned and how you came out on the other end. You've worked in so many different departments. I mean, you've been married to three of them longer than your wife. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Um, yeah. So maybe she wouldn't like me to say it that way, but, um, but I think, yeah, probably so. Yeah. You've, you're one of those lifers, which is, it was just fantastic. But I love these big companies that move people around. My son works for Google. He's only been there since he graduated from college, and they've already moved him uh, one time. He loves it because it gives him opportunities. So let's talk about maybe a big challenge that you faced and kind of walk us through that. But more importantly, how did that experience help you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career? So I'm going to come back to Van Caesar and connect a couple dots here. So, you know, he asked me the first time I met him, he said, Dave, what is your purpose? And to be honest, at the time, that was the first time anyone in my career at 3M had said, Dave, what is your purpose? And so 
I actually was able to give them one because of an experience I had, which I'll share in a second. So I actually said my purpose at 3M is to build businesses that are so successful that they don't need me. That after four or five years, the company is my business, my team, the people that are running the business, they're so good that I don't have to be involved anymore. And so that business can flourish without me. And the reason I could share that purpose with them was because I'd experienced it myself with the first business that I was, you know, early in my career, great people. We, it was a startup business. We, we got it profitable. And then Dave got a new opportunity. And that's when I went to Europe. And the reality is the business didn't do that well after I left. And so for me, I was onto a new job. My life was great, but for my team, you know, they were want to kind of floundering a little bit. And that's when I had to take on the reflection to say that I failed as a leader because you don't leave businesses at a public company that are not going to continue to thrive without you, right? So as a leadership team, I didn't build a team. I probably didn't empower people the way I should have so that they could make, you know, continue to make decisions without every decision going through me. So if you think about a, a hub and spoke, right? If you're the hub of your company and everything has to go through you, what happens if you don't show up the next day? And so... So, so if you think about that, you want you want to be able to take that hub out, and that your team can still thrive without you being the center point of everything. And I'm not saying that I was, but I, but it's just the way I kind of reflect on it as I go through my career. Is how do I empower teams? How do I empower people around me to make their own decisions? Give them good design criteria. Here's what success means, but let them figure out how they're going to get there. You know, this is such an important topic, and so many small entrepreneurs don't think that way or they they never move to that level and they are always the obstacle in the growth of their business i remember back being young one time and looking at a gentleman who was a client of mine who had multiple businesses and my mindset was such going how does that guy do all that work i can barely get the work i have to do done in a day and he's exactly. got four companies well i didn't understand what you just spoke about that he built businesses and then let them operate based on the team he built so he didn't have to be there every day. And that was such a foreign concept to me. It took me a long time to figure out that's not how you build a business. Not how you, I mean, you know, how do you think Roger Penske can do what he does? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so this, a great lesson to learn at a young age. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, but and you know, you, you don't. You, but you have to look back on that and, and challenge yourself that you know, yeah, you do fail. But then you also learn. How do you learn from that failure? And then how do you make sure you don't repeat it? Right. So you basically throughout your career learned that at a young point, and now you've built divisions that you basically have created yourself to be fired out of your job. I know that's a weird way to say it, but that's the right way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. That so you can yeah. walk away and that team continues to thrive, business thrive, people are happy. That's the clear yeah. sign of success. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful lesson. Absolutely. Where were you when I was young? I wish I had known you a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I've had a lot of I have had a lot of good people in my life. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. You've learned how to surround yourself with great people. That's another lesson. And uh the other aspect of this is um knowing what your meaning is. It kind of reminds me of Simon Simon Sinek's great video, Why? Knowing your why. Why are you doing things? It's a uh, same kind of concept. Fantastic. 
Hey, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle, that first vehicle that came into your life that had great meaning for you. Maybe it was the first car. Maybe it was the 10th car. Maybe it's a car you just finally got. Uh, what is it? And share a memory you have about that car. So I've got two. Because one, oh, good. if you're a car, if you're a car guy, it can't be just one, right? Of course um, not. <laughs> but my 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 first uh, special car, obviously, was in my first car. So uh, it was a 1980, I want to say 81 or 82 Plymouth Turismo, which is based off the Dodge Omni. Remember the Dodge Omni four door? Yeah. But they made they yeah. made a hatchback version of that, and uh, it was a ruby red and. Uh, my brother and I uh, paid for the car. So I, I think at the time, maybe I was delivering the Detroit news and, uh, or washing dishes, one of, one of, one of the other. And uh, yeah, it was just as special as your first freedom, right? You didn't get to go if you wanted to go. Um, it's, it's a four seater, but I think we fit up to eight kids in that car at one time. Um, Wasn't that a hatchback? <laughs> Weren't those hatchbacks? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. But so yeah. you could face three people in the back looking backwards. If they're oh, small. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah, if they're real so small. So we did all the things you're not supposed you did all you did all the things you're not supposed to do, like reverse three sixties because if you live in the snow, you know, front wheel drive well, car. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, have, you have to no, do those. Now I hope your daughter's not listening because she's about to get her license, you know. <laughs> I've already told my kids this. I said I've done everything, so let's just talk about what will not happen, you know. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a special but I learned, you know, I also learned responsible driving from it actually because I remember my mom uh, called me one day and said, Dave, you need to go up to the Dodge dealership. And I said, why do I need to go to the Dodge dealership? Because, well, your car is there. Your sister drove it and it won't go into gear as a manual. So we had a toad there and the, and the station guy wants to talk to you. So this is how my parents parented, which is very informative. And so I had to go up there and talk to the, the manager. And he says, uh, Dave, um, do you ever uh, rev the engine and pop the clutch? And I'm like, no, why would you say that? Oh, and he goes, me. well, because me. And he said, because the front tires are bald. It's, this car has 6,000 miles on it and there's no tread left. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe a little oh, bit, you know? Maybe. And he goes, yeah, yeah. You, he said, so your clutch is fried. That's why it's not going into gear. So yeah. it was an expensive <laughs> lesson. Um, yeah. And from then on, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to change my behavior a little bit. But yeah, it was a great car and it was a lot of fun, yeah. fun memories. The second one is a car I have today, which is a 1964 Barracuda. And it's a a really special car for me because when I was born in 64, my parents drove a Barracuda. And Uh so the memories I have of that car is uh, at the time I was the third child. And so we would go to some movies, you know, the outdoor movies, and they'd turn that car around. And that, that car has a big glass window in the back. Oh and yeah, so they, yeah. So they I know put it well. they put the uh, they put the mattress from my crib back there, and the three kids would be watch the kids <laughs> movie, right? And then when the yeah. adult movie would come around, they'd turn the car the other way around uh-huh. and said, "Go to bed." And I just remember my mom turning around and putting her head on hand on my head and said, "Get your head down," you know. So it was kind of like these fond memories of uh, being together as a family. And so I looked for three years. It's when I was with McGuire's, and I actually found the car. On Father's Day, my daughter wanted to go stand up board paddling. And so we were driving by a dentist's office of all places. And the guy was selling the car on the corner. And oh so, my gosh. How yeah. Cool so it's, it's, it's cool. So when I got to, you know, fix it up a little bit, it was in good shape. The car had been repainted and, uh, and he had, they had swapped out and put a 318 a V8 in it. But, um, nice. but, uh, the brakes were, let's just say, needed some work. And so, I got to uh, put some Wilford brakes on it so my son can drive it. Oh, so nice. it was my goal to make it safe enough. So when he was 16, yeah. he got to drive a Barracuda. 
kind of fun. You know, I remember that car well, and here's why. Because my parents, we were out looking for a new car. In 64, I would have been six years old, seven, six or seven years old. And I remember my dad was kind of thinking um, Pontiac Le Mans. Uh, My mom wanted a Barracuda. And we went to the dealership. And I remember as a kid, my sister and I crawled in the back of that thing and looked up at the stars. It was at night. And we're like, oh, this is the car you got to get. This is really cool. Well, we ended up getting a Vista Cruiser. <laughs> so that's not something not nearly as, as fun. But you you made me smile, Dave, because I remember going to drive-ins. And then when the, the second feature came on, it was adults. My parents would uh, flip the car around and we'd have to lay down and go to sleep. And I remember there was some movie my mom was really embarrassed by, and I can't remember what it was. And I peeked up, and there was something a little risque, risque for, you know, 1960s. And my mom putting her hand on my head going, go to sleep. <laughs> I just remember that. And you just brought back that memory. I don't remember yeah. what I saw, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, good times. That's for sure. Pretty simple times. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned and let go that you wish you still had? You know, I don't. I was reflecting on this question. I, I don't get rid of cars. I, I collect cars, I think. Oh, and okay. I, and so, so most car guys, most car guys, we run out of car space, right? Yep. That's the biggest yep. problem we have. We don't have enough garage space. So I think mine would be more buyer's remorse that I didn't buy. Oh, and gosh. one, there's how many there's of those two, do I have? There's two <laughs> that I would share. One connected with my dad is I was down at RM auctions, by, I don't know, 10 years ago. And a white MGTD, like an early 50s TD came across. And I had not, you know, I was working, so I didn't have a number. And it actually went with a really affordable price. And I really wanted to buy that car and give it back to my dad. Because oh, he, nice. when he was born, and not was born, but when the, in the 40s, him and my Uncle Denny, that's what the car they had. They had an MGTD that they had fixed up. We did the engine and everything. And my dad always told the story that he said uh, to get the car, my dad is six foot six. And he said, to get the, for me to sit in the car, we actually had to cut out underneath the dash some metal so we could actually get my legs in there. So I wanted, <laughs> I, I wanted, I just, yeah. and I had the money at the time, but I, I missed that. So, but he does, when I, uh, I was talking about don't give cars away, uh, when I moved back from California, I have a 2008, uh, I think a BMW M3. So that, that's now with my dad. So he's 86 years old this year and he gets to drive an M3 when he wants to have a little fun. Well, that's um, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love it's, it. And, he, I, and I pay for his insurance and everything, so it's it's, oh, uh, it's a good deal. It's a good a nice deal. son. Yeah, yeah I've got a, <laughs> just gotta, I've got you just got to keep it clean. Just got to keep well, it clean and polished. Yeah, that's the you know? rule. I've got an 05 M3 that I really, really like. I just can't get rid of it. It's such a great car. But you know, the TD. My dad had a TC when I was a little boy, uh, real little, and. uh Later in life, he bought himself a TD. He called it the Red Rooster because it was bright red. Um, yeah, it was cool. And uh, yeah, I always think about him being in that car. He's not nearly as tall. Our family don't have the tall genes like you guys. Um, so we fit in those cars just fine. But I remember as a little boy riding in the the left-hand side of that TC because it was a right-hand drive car. And my dad had an extra steering wheel that he would let me hold. And we'd pull up next to people and they'd look down at this little five-year-old boy and like, how the hell is he driving that car? And I just smile son, and turn the wheel a little bit. <laughs> I tell you, I, I tell you, to, uh, just reflect on that. My son used to do that when we were little. We were living in Germany at the time, and I learned about lock systems on Audis because he took 
touched the key fob and it locked the car and we were not in it. And he was playing like he was driving. So he was locked in the car uh, for two hours. Oh, and no. We had to get the, we had to get the uh, car company to come out because you can't actually sim- jimmy the uh, locks on those things. You have to actually open it up uh, with an air bladder and then you have to actually oh, take gosh. the key off the floor and then open it with a key fob. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> True <story>. So be <laughs> careful. Uh, if you got young kids in Audis. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> don't definitely. Them, don't let them sit in there. <laughs> no. Well, I want to ask you about 3M and some some new cool things first, but let's take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, we're back, and I want you to share a little bit about what has you excited and fired up in the new year. We're, my gosh, new decade, 2020, uh, with 3M. What are some of the things you guys are working on there that we can look forward to? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, you know, the cool thing that my job is, I get to work with really cool people, very creative people, and we go out to body shops and look at what they're doing and how we can give them products that help them make their jobs easier, right? And so two products we launching, we launched at SEMA, uh, in Vegas. One is, is called Perfect It One Step. So after you paint a car, you have to typically have to compound it and then polish it before to make it look good. And compounding in the, in the trade is, is a step most people would love that they don't have to do because it, it's a liquid. You sling, you have to use a rotary. It slings all over the place. You have to clean it all up. So one of our, our development team says, well, what if we eliminated that step and used an abrasive instead of a compound? which no one believed that they could do. But this year we launched it uh, called Trisec 8000. And so you can completely eliminate compounding and use a DA, a, a dual action polisher with Trisac on it and eliminate the compounding step. So you can go right from comp- right from your abrasive step, eliminating the compound, and then you do a final one step of polish and you're done. So we launched it this last year. You know, people, the response has been really positive and it, and, and I just love it is that there's actually a gentleman that uh, went on and did a whole YouTube series on it, uh, of just about how blown away he was about it and how much it makes his job easier to do. So that's one oh, cool wow. project that we just launched. Yeah. And then the other one is, you know, Dream is known, I think it invented masking tapes, I do believe. Oh, yeah. And so probably, we, yeah. yeah. Probably, right? And actually, they, abrasive, the masking tape actually was created by um, a person that was trying to make a new abrasive. Because abrasive, if you think about abrasive paper, is paper with glue on it, and then you put your mineral on top. So if you take the mineral off, what do you have? You have masking tape. So they were working in an automotive assembly plant, and they were trying to do two-tone paint. 
And so they were seeing that these guys are trying to figure out how to stick newspaper onto the car so they could do a two-tone paint job. And so he said, well, what if I just eliminated the mineral and use different paper? And that's how the first masking tape was invented. So we just launched, though, a new uh, masking tape called 3M Precision, Precision Polytape. And it's actually not made out of great paper. It's made out of poly, uh, polyester, polyethylene. And so um, what's cool about it is, it's therefore, it's waterproof. And one of the things in the body shop business, a lot of times your one of your steps in the process that gets backed up is your paint booth. And so you want to paint, you have to prep the cars for paint. Well, if you don't have space, you want to put them outside. If it rains, then your prep job is, is ruined. It's all gone. So this tape is waterproof and then can sit in the car for up seven days, which is kind of cool. And it's very conformable. But the other thing is, if you ever tried to tear masking tape, uh, a lot of times you never tear straight, right? It's always curved or jagged. And so if, you, if you're in the trade, everyone has their tricks of how they try to get a clean line. And so this actually is how it's manufactured. It's actually little lines. And so you actually do a snap, a snap break. So when you get ready to tear it off, instead of tearing it, you snap the tape and it, and it breaks into a clean straight edge. Very so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So anyway, it's purple. It's out there. Um, feedback so far has been, you know, really positive. And, you know, sometimes you can even innovate something you've been doing for, you know, 80 plus years. So those are a couple of, couple of areas that, uh, Kind of fun things that we're doing with car. Yeah. You know, I think of 3M and, you know, so many people go post it notes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, you know, all these little innovative things that we use every day and we don't think about, uh, somebody had to invent this stuff. And that's another career path that I tell a lot of people. If you love inventing, creating, being, uh, creative in some respect, I mean, there's so many opportunities and so many things come from one area to be used in another. And I've seen that in the automotive industry as well. So very, very cool. Well, I'll make sure that I put a link. You can go to 3M's website, check some of this new stuff out, get some for yourself. Even if you're an at-home do-it-yourselfer, all this stuff is usable and doable in your own booth. And of course, if you go to the SEMA show every year, 3M has a wonderful presence there where you can go up and talk to their experts. I've had some of them on the show here that can help you. And of course, they've got ways to contact them if you're uh, trying to figure out how to use them. 3M, absolutely fantastic. Dave, up next is the last lap. Uh, but before we put the pedal to the metal, we're going to do another quick break, say thanks to our sponsors, and we'll be right back. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you, Dave. Kind of get in your head a little bit. If you were a vehicle, if you woke up as a car tomorrow, what would you be and why? 
<laughs> so I would be crazy as it would be sound like a 1970 VW Westphalia. Oh, and why right? is that? So yeah, think about it. So people love them. Anyone who has yeah. a VW, right? But mine would be slightly modified because my car would have a swapped out Porsche 911 engine in it. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> nice. So it's, yeah. it's fun. You can go anywhere. Cause when I was growing up as a kid, we camped, as I told you, camped in our, one of the families at my church, um, the Thompsons had one of these and I was so jealous. I mean, you could stop anywhere, camp anywhere, go anywhere. So I just think freedom, it's, it's, it's a great vehicle, but if it, it had a little bit more powerful engine, even better. So that, that's what, that was, that's what I'd be. That's what all those vans need. I used to drive from San Diego to Mammoth Mountain with friends to go skiing when I was in junior high, high school. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. made the mistake of going with a buddy who had an old VW bus. And what <laughs> yeah. was normally an eight-hour drive took like 12 hours. And when you got there, power. oh, gosh, and, and that screaming engine for 13 hours, when you got there, you felt like you were, had been inside of a tin can getting screamed at by a million cats. Uh, it was horrible. I never do that again. But I love the idea of a 911 engine. I was in the Black Forest once, 1996. Uh, I had picked up a new Porsche uh, 993. We were driving through the forest and found a place called the Rat House, R-A-T-T-H-A-U-S-E. And this guy was putting 911 turbo engines in the back of VW buses and bugs. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Dave awesome. and his Rat House Westphalia. I yeah, love yeah, 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 yeah. There's a you <laughs> know you watch top here, you watch top here. I'm sure. So uh, there's a oh, top here yeah, episode, and there's a guy. I think it's Jamie Oliver. He's a chef out of the UK. So he he's a big car guy, and he has a VW bus that he dropped in 911. And so they do an episode of the Stig driving, and him him in the back trying to trying to do a cooking class. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an hilarious like episode. Fun. We have a local guy here named uh, Louis Shefshek, a JNL Fabricating, and he took a, an old 60s bus for one of his clients and yeah. put all 911 stuff underneath that thing. They even cut out the dash and put the five gauge 911 dash in this thing. From the outside, it looks like an old bus. Sleeper. But yeah, there's, yeah, total Beautiful. sleeper, but it's got McPherson struts and 911 engine. I think they put a 993 motor in the back is what they did, if I remember that right. But, uh, yeah, it's insane. All right. That sounds like fun. All right. Well, I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give us some very quick blips of that Westphalia 911 throttle. So here we go. <laughs> What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Um, you have to take risks. I was blessed, yes. you know, to have the opportunity to meet some really uh, great people in my career. One of them was Lord Rice, who back in the 80s, was the chairman and president of General Motors. And I was talking to him about a job and should I take the job and not. And he said to me, Dave, do you think I got here without taking any risk? And because of that comment, I took the risk. I took a job. I had no idea. It was a startup business. And, you know, I learned that I had a lot of great opportunities came out of it. So just you got to take risk in life. You know, to get ahead, you got to really take risk. There's no sure bet. No, never. Not anywhere. Even if you think you have nope. a sure bet, you don't. How about a personal habit you believe has contributed to your many successes? I would say encouraging others to provide feedback to you. So, you know, as mm. sometimes you're a leader and you're running your own business, you have the right to say, this is what you want, I want you to do and do it. But what if you actually took the time to say, this is what I'm thinking. I think this is the best idea. How could you make it better? Yes. And, and I think when you open the door for feedback, constructive feedback, 
people get engaged, then it becomes part of their idea, their creativity. And I would say for me, nine times out of 10, you come out with a better idea. Great advice. How about a, a resource? Is there one out there that you think our listeners would tap into? You know, that, good, good question. You know, I was thinking about that. How do I, how do I receive information? How do I learn? Um, I stumbled on a, an app called Flipboard. Um, you can get it on Apple Flipboard. And basically what it does is you, it leads you through what your passions are. If you're into audiophile or as I am, or you're into cars or you're into news or you're into traveling, you pick all those things and then it basically creates a newspaper for you. And every day it's updated. Yep. Every day it's updated. So every day you go on there, you go to your tiles and you have like eight tiles of your passions or whatever you want to follow and you click on that. And then that's news articles from that day on that subject. I love it. I've not heard of that Flipboard app. I'll look that up. Very, very cool. I'll remind our listeners another great resource, 3M.com. Uh, I'm going to plug you guys a little more here, Dave, because it, there's a plethora wealth of knowledge there that you wouldn't think. You think of a huge company like 3M, okay, big company making lots of stuff, but there's so much information there, so many avenues to travel. So make sure you check that as well. Uh, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? So for two reasons, for two reasons. One, he was the creator of the Mustang, right? And or he was definitely involved in the marketing as a great marketer. But having grown up in the family with Chrysler and and that basically was in really tough shape when Lee took it on. And, you know, he transformed that company, not just him, but with a with a team. And I'd love to actually have the opportunity to talk to him about that. I did meet him but um about five years ago, but it was you know, it wasn't in an environment that I could sit down and have a fireside chat, you know. But uh, yeah, obviously, he's a transformational leader in the automotive industry. It would be as cool to get his perspective on things. Now, uh, we're back to what we talked about a little earlier. I always like to ask my guests for a book recommendation. Could you remind us of the first book you talked about? And if there's a second one, that'd be great, too. There's two, for the first one, it's called High Achievers Guide to Happiness. And it's by Vance and Carol Ann Caesar, C-A-E-S-E-R. And in the in the book, also, I probably should say he is in Vance is an amazing career in the newspaper industry. And so he basically sold his businesses in his 40s, if I remember. And then he started this consulting, went back to school, got his PhD. And his thesis was actually interviewing people that were high achievers. And they found out that less than 10% are actually happy. And that's how he, this book basically brings you through about, because they probably didn't understand their purpose and what made them happy. So that's a, that's a good book. And the other book that I'm reading right now is Growth Mindset. And it's by um, Dr. Carol Dweck. Pretty famous, awesome book, right? And I think it applies to everything. Actually, at 3M, we just had our leadership conference uh, two weeks ago. And the whole executive team is, um, is uh, has the book and we're reading through it. But it just talks about, uh, the I, I would say, the power of yet. I don't know how to do that. Say, I don't know how to do that yet. Meaning, you can try. You know, and so, and also, and the book actually talks a lot about children education and taking kids actually from inner city schools and they become the top performing schools in the country. And it's all about them, how you think about learning. Is it, you have to be a hundred percent and always a straight A, or are you going to be sometimes B's and C's because you're challenging yourself to learn new things that you're not perfect yet? It's an amazing book. book. My sister shared that book with me. She was a special ed teacher for 33 years and. Um, mm-hmm. used a lot of those principles with special ed students um, who have great challenges, of course. But 
I wish I'd known about the growth mindset back when I was in junior high, high school, because there's some kind of moves and things I made back then that if I had a growth mindset, like you said earlier, I would have taken more risk. Um, but instead of kind of falling into a comfort zone, it's a great book. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Not too many people brought that book up, but I think it's absolutely uh, imperative to have a growth mindset. Very well done. I'll remind our listeners that you can find all these resources on Dave's very own show notes page on the Carjow website. Just go there, type in Dave Gunderson in the search bar, and it'll pop right up and get your hands on those books. I'm going to get a copy of High Achiever's Guide to Happiness, too. Maybe I can still figure out if I've got more happiness <laughs> here in my life. I'm having a lot of fun talking happy. to great people, but yeah, whatever makes you happy. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here. This is a fun question for you, Dave. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car today to park in your garage. But there are some rules to this game since I'm writing the check. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or buy your daughter a car or fund her college education or pay for your son's college education. I've been through that. I know how expensive it is. Secondly, you have to drive it. No garage queens allowed around here. And last but not least, it's the only one car you have. This is what's going to make it difficult for you because... You like cars, so uh, if you only could have one very cool collector car in your garage and I would buy it for you, what would it be? Ferrari Dino. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Wonderful car. What What do you love? I mean, what's not to love about the Dino? How- right. I, I mean, there's a couple of things. I think it's one of the most beautiful design cars out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I like the heritage of it. I like that it's the Dino. I like it that, you know, it's Enzo's son who, who developed the engine, right? Um, and I like that, that the Ferrari, it's kind of like an underdog Ferrari, if, he, if there is such a thing, because actually Ferrari dealers, I guess, didn't want to put it in the showroom, right? They wanted, that's why it was named the Dino as well. <laughs> and now, um, you know, and I just think it's, it's a beautiful car that, and I, in fact, two years ago, I, I don't know if you've ever been to, uh, Corso Italiano, uh, Pebble Beach Week up in, so they have beautiful Italian cars, right? And there is a 1968, uh, 206 GT Dino. And I a beautiful gray and I was taking pictures of it. And I'm like, man, one day, hopefully I could, you know, make enough money to buy that car or buy a car yeah. like that. And uh, yeah. so I was taking a picture of, of the nameplate of who owned it. And it's actually owned by a Gunderson. So maybe oh. one day, I think that was, hey. I think that's a sign. That's There's a sign, an omen. Man. Yeah. A sign There's an omen. Of one day. Yeah. <laughs> one day. Well, could you know, my, that's, my name on that that's the, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I think that could very well happen. And since I'm going to buy you one, it's already happened. So, it's on the way. so don't, don't worry about it, Dave. You know, um, the Dino's the first so-called Ferrari drove. And, and those who may not know this, back when Ferrari put that car out, it didn't have the word Ferrari on it. It was a Dino. Um, and because it was kind of the cheap version. And I think that car, those cars stagnated for a long time as a being viable collector cars. And then probably six, seven years ago, all of a sudden they took off. And now, of course, they can be very, very expensive, but they're just beautiful, beautiful. I, as a kid driving that thing, 16, 17 years old, Sam Salemi, client of mine, had a black. Well, it wasn't black at first. He had a black Porsche. His was metallic purple. My regular listeners know this story. And it was originally Cher's car. Uh, there was actually a, a plaque on the desk, this Dino built for share. Yeah, by Enzo Ferrari. Had uh, Baroni wire wheels, which is kind of cool. And uh, I loved driving that car back to my house to detail it. Uh, I just I thought I'd die and gone to heaven. It's like a little go-kart. Not really a fast no. car by today's standards, no. but no. sure is That's cool. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful car. Love to get you one of those. And Concorso Italiano, they had a whole lineup of those things. 
Oh um, yeah, they must have had six or eight. It was one in a pistachio color that a green pistachio color just I thought was stunning color. Mm. Uh, they made those in lots of colors, but uh, gray would be good too. So, all right, Dave, I'll get to work. Uh, we'll get you that Dino so you can have some fun so your daughter can do some donuts in the snow with that thing, <laughs> some burnouts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That sounds like a good idea, right? As a father of a daughter, not. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. Dave, you've taken me on a great ride today. I really appreciate your time. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Appreciate the opportunity. The journey that, well, sure, N3M. Could you give us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset? In your very own Ferrari Dino, how are we going to call it a Ferrari Dino? You know, I just I, my part of comment just goes back to what I shared today. You know, for me, having a purpose in life, and you know, as I said, life is too short to be unhappy. So I hope everyone's happy or, or try, tries to figure out what what makes them happy and 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 ask for help to get you there because people want to see other people happy, and that's my new purpose in life now is helping people understand their passions and helping them within 3M to get where they want to go. Very people nice are here to that. help you. Yeah, absolutely. Dave's here to help us. And uh, the best way for people to follow along with 3M these days is at 3M.com? Yep, 3M.com. And, and then we also have 3MCollision.com for the automotive aftermarket side of our business. Awesome. Great. I'll make sure I put links to those on Dave's show notes page. Dave, thanks for calling in. Thanks for being so generous today with your time your expertise. Hopefully, I'll run into you maybe at SEMA this year. That'd be kind of fun. Until uh, you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. Have a good day. You're welcome. You too. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners. This is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.